Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 115, which I'm actually glad we said, because for the last five minutes off camera, I've been trying to work out what time that is. We don't even know if it's right. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, so I'm glad I said the right number and didn't say welcome back to quarter to seven or whatever. Um, yeah, good to have you back. I don't know what the last episode was, because with Highland Show coming up for us at the time of recording, this will be coming out the day after, um, we kind of sort of had to get ahead of things because I would probably not be coherent for that weekend, so I don't want to be releasing them then. That might be a bit embarrassing for everyone. But um, following in the theme of what this podcast seems to be with Ed and I is one fat man (laughs) and two very healthy folks. Um, Well, three in one case. Uh, Today, we've got a good friend of mine um, who's a volleyball player. Uh, Ross and I have been mates for God. Uh, I think about nine years, probably. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, before, well, tell you what, Ross, do you want to say hello first? Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure, man. Looking forward to it. Is nine years about right? I think nine years is about right. I think we were at uni in 2013, so it could be be 10 years. What? Yeah. uh, Oh, no, you were the year below me, actually. You're right. So 14. So nine years is right, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's sickening in how long that's been, isn't it? <laughs> it's terif- it's terrifying. <laughs> Do not enjoy that thought at all. I really don't like that. Oh, 10 years, man. Jesus. I feel like 10 years ago I was nine. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Years ago. Oh shut up. You <laughs> were 11 10 years ago. Shut up, Ed. Stupid little dude. Behave. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, you can go. Me and Wallace will do this. <laughs> Yeah, you're not our friend. (laughs) I don't don't want to have to explain things to you. (laughs) We were legally allowed to drink in the pub, and you were quick maths 13. Yeah, yeah, 12. Man, I don't like this. I thought we'd do a podcast. We realized just how young you are again. Here we go. Why is he not older? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God, that's ridiculous. Well, anyway, Ross, and, and keeping in the spirit of uh, podcast things, um, our question from our last guest on the All In podcast, who was Glenn, Glenn, yeah. Glenn Penlington, who is a current British timber sports champion. Well, at the time of recording, he is. In five days, he will be defending that title. Um, his question was, if you won the lottery and you had infinite funds, what would be the first thing you buy? Not everything, the first thing. Do you know what? I'm going to give a really boring answer. Um, right now, I would buy a dog. I'm, me and my girlfriend are absolutely dog daft, and we're desperate to get a dog. That would be that would be my answer. It's real boring, but I'd get a dog oh, like that. What breed? Now you're asking. Um, if I could have someone with my, my millions in lottery money to clean up after it and like get hairs and stuff off my couch, I would definitely get like a German Shepherd. I think they're awesome. Um, but I can't be dealing with hairs and like sitting on your couch covering hairs and like having your clothes covered in hairs. Oh, nah. I am so with you on that. Yeah, Holy I God. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Right, so I'm going to ask you again, because yours was rubbish last year, and it just last time, and it just led to me bullying my poor mother. <laughs> uh, what, what is yours if you... Um, <laughs> I don't see what's wrong with my lawnmower. I, actually, I do, because it's fixed now. Oh, so, so it's a working, yeah, it's a working <laughs> lawnmower. So I'm all good that way. It's never rained. There's been no grass growing. No, I, like, it's, it's not been a problem. It's not growing at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, and cows isn't the, wasn't the option either, was it? Well, I mean, it's not the option. It's just, I just know that's what you want to say. You just want to say more cows, don't you? Mm, you He's so cute, um, man. Just cows, cows, cows. Um, I'd almost go along the same lines as like dogs, to be fair. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Nice. I like that. What cows okay, would you get? What breed? Honestly, I'd, I'd actually go for like a work type dog um, to start with. Um, sure. Uh, probably a Kelpie, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like they're like Aussie, Aussie dogs, right? Yeah, Kelpies. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're yeah. sick. I just really like the look of them, and they just seem like really good workers. And everyone's got a collie. For those that are wondering why I've went quiet, I'm just currently googling what a Kelpie dog is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, they're they're cool. <laughs> is that the dog that and up? Has the collar on it and it's got the really high pitched voice. Ah, okay. <laughs> See, there you go. He's twenty. He's twenty-one. He's never seen up. <laughs> That's what I mean. First hurdle. There's the door. I'll just take it. There's going to be references. It's like, oh, have you heard this song or have you seen that film? <laughs> no, nah, it was three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're wondering when up came out. That could that could be genuinely painful. Oh, yeah, you God. can do that. I'll ask the next question. You work out when up was out. Uh, do you even know what up is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the guy with the big head. <laughs> the balloons in the house. <laughs> balloons is definitely what I jumped to normally. We had a kid at my school that looked like Russell. I probably shouldn't say who actually. That's... <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say. This is starting to weave it. Yeah, this is starting to... And then they're all wondering. They're all wondering who it is. Oh, God. It was 2009. 2009, so what age were you? Eight. Eight. Good heavens, man. Oh, this is painful. We actually haven't... We've probably been doing this for about 10 minutes now. We haven't actually spoken (laughs) about Ross yet, which is normally what these podcasts are about as the guests. But, uh, yeah, right. Try to be. (laughs) 10 minutes in Ross give us, give us a bit of background about yourself Who, who's Ross McKelvey um, so I guess I'd describe myself as I'm a PE teacher I'm a volleyball player and I'm a PT slash coach for people um, in the last year I've only been a volleyball player and a coach I've had a, a year off work um, to go and sort of I guess pursue my dream professionally so for the last year I've lived in New Zealand um, which is a big culture change when you've pretty much been in Scotland your whole life. But I've coached remotely. I've coached in person in New Zealand and I've spent a lot of time amongst elite level, way better volleyball players than myself, way better coaches and kind of, I guess, leveled up my my volleyball and my coaching game for the last year. But I guess fundamentally I'm, I'm a teacher. Is that the first time you've left like long, long period of time yeah? Yeah, so I was there for seven months in total. Um, and yeah, like complete complete change. Like my, my girlfriend's from there, um, but where we were living in New Zealand was even, was new for her. So um, it was it was a new place for both of us. Well, he's never been out of there. Yeah. Where was that in New Zealand? <laughs> uh, a place called Tauranga. It's close, and on the, on the North Island, um, close to kind of Auckland is probably the, the biggest biggest city. Yeah, I know where you're at. Um, I had a mate that went and played rugby out there, actually. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's 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 all it seems to be. I met, like, four or five people from the UK in the airport on the way there and the way back, and all of them were either people going out to, to farm 
or people going out to play rugby and that was it. And I feel like that's quite a common a common thread for sure. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's the one of my favorite things with this podcast is um I always like to see how long it takes Ed to mention rugby. I think that's a record to be fair. I think that's the first time you've spoken. <laughs> like proper said, I think. Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, what are the chances that you stayed in the place that we might want to play rugby at? Like, so is that like a big place or is that like is that like a city or is that Toronga is it's it's a small city. It's it's like Bigger than like Air and Sterling, but it's still not like the size. Even like Auckland, I think, is only about the size of Glasgow. Um, same with Wellington, same with Christchurch. And that's the thing, like on both islands, there's only three cities and they're all spaced out so dramatically that you, it's a complete change to the UK where you drive a couple of hours or an hour in any direction and you're, you're in a big city, really. Um, whereas if you go, want to go to a big city... If you're not in one, you probably have to drive at least three hours to to get anywhere, and it it does feel quite isolating. Not even given the fact that you're on an island that isn't close to anything. Like I always used to think it was real close to Australia, but it's not. It's like five hours to Australia. Is it five hours? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's not. It's not a quick flight, that's for sure. When you, were... it's not like us hopping over to Benidorm. Yeah, for sure. Which, as we spoke off camera, I've barely ever done that. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> when you were younger, Ross, was was like, so, you know, brought up in Scotland, there's there's normally two sports that, that I guess you'd say Scottish boys are looking at, and it's football and rugby are the main two that are pushed, maybe hockey. But how, how did volleyball come through for you? How did that happen? <clears throat> so, for me, you're absolutely right. I played loads of football loads of rugby and loads of tennis when I was younger um and I was fairly good at them all I was probably best at best at football um but I got into volleyball through high school like I've always been the taller guy in the year so like in my year school there was me and one other guy who were always kind of head and shoulders above everyone else and when I went to my secondary school one of the PE teachers was a Scotland women's international and this, it just happened that the school that I went to was like super big on volleyball and they had after school clubs, they had lunchtime clubs that, and there was like over a hundred kids playing volleyball sometimes in, in the hall at lunchtime, which is unreal. Um, but it was because there was two PE teachers, one who played for Scotland and one who was just super keen on volleyball. So I think it was literally like my first month at high school. I was like walking down the corridor and this this lady was like, you, you're going to come to volleyball at lunchtime. Um, and that was how it started. Literally, that was it. Um, I played it a couple of times. I was like, okay, um, when I when I first started and I was kind of just hooked from there. Um, I only really played it recreationally at school, but then as I kind of got older and I maybe realised that although I was good at football and rugby, I wasn't good enough to pursue it at a higher level. Um, and then kind of a few opportunities came my way um, to, to represent Scotland and, and play some men's Division One stuff. Um, and I thought I'd rather be a, a main player than a, a bit of a passenger on the, the football and the rugby pitch. Well, on, <clears throat> on the football and the rugby side, was, was there a time where you were like, oh, maybe there is a career in this? Was that something you were looking at? or So rug- rugby-wise, I was like a very okay player. 
but in an extremely good team. <laughs> so I probably felt like I could have, I was, I probably felt like I was better than I was. Um, but I had a lot of good, good players around me and played with, with a lot of good players who now play, like have played for Warriors or play for Scotland or whatever. In terms of football, I think there probably was. Um, I played for Celtic um, Pro Youth for for about a year when I was about 14, um, which is a cool experience. But I think ultimately, like, I was maybe a little bit big. Um, like, I grew quite early. And although I was good and I was physical and I could read the game well, I think I was still kind of growing into my body. I had a few niggly injuries with my knees and, like, my CV and my my kind of engine wasn't wasn't where it needed to be, but I mean, I guess I'm pretty grateful for that now. I'm not sure I'd have ever wanted to play for Celtic as a as a massive Rangers fan, anyway. <laughs> well, I was exactly I was going to ask how was that from that point <coughs> because that's always a thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, you, you're a rugby man much more than football, yeah, and I'm very much more a football guy. It's a shame I turn up and they think I am the ball, not a player. But anyway, these things happen. Um, but, <laughs> Um, did you see that video I made last week, by the way? I did. <laughs> the, pre- the pregnancy one. Yeah, did you see that? No. Oh, people have seen it. So we were playing, we were playing like uh, at Annandale football. And they like oh. turned up and the biggest kit was like made for seven-year-olds. Seven-year-old me anyway. And uh, like I was like, I was in pain. This is this tight. Like I'm not exaggerating. I played a full game and I was like, took it off and it was like, I can breathe again. Impression soon. Katie got a photo of me at the end, and it's like eleven months pregnant. Like it's not like four. Like, and I started putting like eating messy and uh, yeah. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I can't, believe how, <laughs> I, I can't believe how long you went. I think I did forty eight. <laughs> it was great fun. And um, where the hell was I going with this? Uh, why? Right. Yes. Uh, the the thing that I like about it much more is like. 80 minutes, done, go for a pint. And football, it's like just not a thing. And I hate it. I hate how, whatever it is in football, but that's always been a thing. My dad always said, you know, I always want to be a footballer. If Celtic offered you or whatever, would you have taken it? Now, if dad's listening, there was no chance of ever being a footballer. But anyway, like you had that sort of almost chance. How did that feel? Um, like I'm a, I'm a Rangers supporter because of my family and, and my dad especially, but he was like so supportive. He was like, this is this could be like a, a chance like obviously a very small chance but this could be a chance like absolutely go for it like I don't care if it's Celtic or if it's Air United like you take you take that chance if you can going back to your your point actually about how I think just football makes people crazy just something to touch on is like it's as a PE teacher you see that from such a young age it is mental like even the nicest kids who are like so respectful to you and like you can have like a conversation with see as soon as you put like a football on the floor kick out and blow your whistle to start a game it's like they turn into a different person they're like diving to win like free kicks they're like turning around and like swearing at their classmates swearing at you as the ref it's like we man you're like ns1 chill out like it's all good (laughs) so honestly yeah, honestly, it's like they just, it's such learned behavior from like watching whoever in the Premier League do it. And it's literally just like monkey see, monkey do. Like professional yeah. footballers are doing this. Like, I want, I'm going to do this. That's the right thing to do. And honestly, you would not believe, like, it probably happens in like primary school, like younger than I see them. But it is so frightening. And you're right, it's that. 
football like tribe mentality they just like they go at each other as as soon as the word football's mentioned it's it's wild I see I find it amazing like I'm not like I'm so glad this happened <laughs> I think that's amazing like oh my god Right, I, can't yeah. that. I was gonna like because like that's one of the things that I probably um, dislike about football the most is the kind of diving and the like trying to get things when you're not actually injured and watching a football game and they just like tuck and roll for like six rolls and they just get a free kick uh, get up play on no problem but uh, are they allowed to wear football shirts in PE at your school because remember so. Yeah, absolutely not. Like, I think it, as far as I know, that's a pretty kind of across the board thing. Um, if it does happen, like, we're quite good. Like, we've got heaps and heaps of kit. So we just give them like a t shirt if they try and chance their arm to come in wearing like a Celtic top or Rangers top or whatever. And we just give them other kit. But yeah, it's just like an easy way to avoid problems. Or like, I've seen a couple of occasions where like, even just without a football top on, it's like Rangers and Celtic played at the weekend. And if Celtic won, like all the guys who support Rangers are getting abuse in the change room and like vice versa. And yeah, it's it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a yeah. cauldron. <laughs> is there anything now? I mean, here's not a I don't really know. I don't feel like here is a massive rugby area. So I, but that's not a thing like with no, I don't even know all. what the Edinburgh club is, but Glasgow, no, just Glasgow and Edinburgh. Yeah. Um nah, not at all. Is it not Glasgow something? Not Warriors. Glasgow Warriors. And, and Edinburgh, Edinburgh doesn't get a name. Oh, it's just Edinburgh Rugby. That's, nah, that's crazy. Nah, not at all. Like, there's no, like, yeah, there's a kind of rivalry, yeah. but I wouldn't, like, fans don't hate each other. Like, in rugby, like, <laughs> sit next to the opposite fans. Well, I only like, found this out last week. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. In like, football, you need to cage them in. Literally. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's a little bit about it, like, Maybe as a generalisation, it's possibly the types of people that a lot of the time go to each game. Like, I mean, if you go to, like, Twickenham or Murrayfield, everyone's sitting, hanging out the back of their Range Rover, eating pheasant and having a glass of champagne, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I did not expect so, such a great stereotype, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not exactly going to be scrap, scrapping outside, but, yeah, I mean... I think r- rugby is definitely better in that respect and, and equally like on the pitch, like everyone's shaking hands, everyone's like respecting the ref, they can have like a discussion. Um, so I think I think that's quite cool and that's definitely the way football should be aiming. Um, but yeah, they, they ultimately need to sort it at professional level before it has any sort of trickle down effect to, to the kids that I'm, that I'm seeing. Um but yeah, honestly, it just it amazes me how much they take in and just like try and model that that behavior, even even in a game that literally does not matter. It's like right, it's PE period six on a Friday. Like, calm down because we're all going to get to go home in five minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember it. I mean, like, I, you know me now, ten years, eleven years after school, and like it almost annoys you how uncompetitive I am. Yeah, I don't like, get it's it. Just, it's just not. There's well, you got it out what's it with. And I like proper wait for you, but I can't even remember what it was. Probably a concert for Young Farmers or something. I like gripped it. So I joined Young Farmers like, I don't know, a year ago. And uh, the, a few people have been trying to get me to go, get me to go. And then <clears throat> halfway through the second night, I ran up and the dressing room like shook it and was like, I'm fucking Lord till I die. And I'm like, where did this come from? I don't have this competitive side in me. But um, the it's I just don't have it. But back then, yeah. 
Like, I was ready to break legs the second the whistle went. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> These are my friends. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, but they're not friends when you're That's like, it. You're just, you're conditioned to that whistle. That's all it is. Yeah. As soon as there's a football on the floor and the whistle goes, it's like light bulb, light bulbs uh, switches. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. And, I mean, I, I know you're very much more volleyball, Ross. We've sort of gone to this. I, one more question. You said sort of you got to fix it at a professional level, but do you not have to fix, fix that at grassroots level to fix it at a professional level? Uh, I very much think these kids are super modeling their behavior on what they see on TV. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I think, see if you said, right, if you're getting a rec- retrospective £50,000 fine for diving in the Premier League or you're handing out more yellow and red cards for people talking back to the referee, like it would sort it in like a matter of weeks because teams would be finishing games for a couple of weekends with like eight players. So you just wouldn't do it. But another another thing as well is like parents on the sidelines, like abusing referees, like shouting at their own kids, shouting at other kids in the pitch. Like that that also needs to change big time. Like they they behave. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this, like I've not got kids, so I, I could be the exact same when I get, get a little bit older. But like they behave at their kids' football game like they would behave at Ibrox or Celtic Park. It's, again, like absolutely frightening. Do you think the parents are, well, just as, if not worse, than the kids? Again, I think it's like a little bit of learned behaviour, for sure. Like, um, if if your parent, like, very much so, like, if your your parents are respectful and, like, talk to people or even just outside a sporting context, like, you, you'll take that on and you'll probably try and model that. But, um, like, if you're someone's dad or mum's shouting at the referee, like, their kid probably thinks it's okay to do that as well, so... It's about what you put across as being like acceptable, I guess, and 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 how you model that behaviour. You do want to press your mom pod, don't you? So like, if they're doing something, you're like, oh well, that's the way forward. Yeah, for sure. That's that's nuts. That's them. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, so you said that you know you sort of you've always been one of the tall guys. I mean, like Ross makes me feel small. Genuinely, what, what height are you, Ross? <clears throat> I'm I'm six foot five, so I am generally one of the taller people. But then. If I rock up to like an international beach volleyball event, like I'm one of the smaller guys. Like it's it's scary. Like I'd be I'd be a tall girl <laughs> in oh, the women's you? competition. Really? Like there's there's some big there's some big chicks out there playing like blockers play who are like six foot five, six foot six, um on in the women's game and like I, I'm a I'm a blocker, so I kind of get away with it because I'm quite physical, I can jump a little bit. But there's there's boys playing on on the world tour who are like an average block height's probably six eight. To there's a couple of boys who are seven feet. Oh my god, that's nuts! You you've just made him shrivel, by the way, because you're six five. He's the opposite. Uh, <laughs> oh okay. So I've, I've got I've got a mate that's six five. My my next year's to anyway. So what like, are you? Five five eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it's like even when when I knew Ross, that was the case. There was a boy Oak, and well, his real name was Andrew, but. He got called up because uh, when he started playing rugby, folk would sort of, <laughs> I can't even throw a rugby ball, it's tragic. And he always sort of seemed to get in the way. And there was a guy that started saying, it's like a big fucking oak tree getting in the way. Uh, so oak, oak and Ross would sort of be next to each other, like these two giants. Oak, oak would be taller than you, wouldn't he? He was 6'6". Six, six. He's maybe a little bit taller than me, I think. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so like it was always... Them, you know? 
Well, um, the, the the worst bit was always it was me Oak who were like six five six six, and then there was Rudy who was like, I think he <laughs> called himself six foot on a good day, but I think next to us he probably looked like five eight, um, <laughs> and he used just to absolutely hate life. And we used to go out with each other like a couple times, couple times a week to uh, into town or whatever, and just he would absolutely hate life. And after a few pints, there was times where he would just literally abuse us for being tall, and we would just kind of pat him on the head and like. <laughs> you're making that's me miss like you. Yeah, you're making me miss you. That's literally me. I've got I've got a mate that's six two and a mate that's six five that I go out most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it's just soul destroying, man? We're talking about heights. Like you people lean back and it's like muscles in places I don't have places, and then I'm just sitting here like a bloody plum. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just soul destroying. Six foot, I am over six foot. Yeah. yeah. Can't have it all, well, can't have it all. <laughs> I can change, I just haven't. Exactly. <laughs> that's on me, that's on me. Um, we'll get into volleyball uh, a bit more, I guess, Ross. Uh, for, first off, I think it's good, uh, this is going to be daft, there'll be folk that listen, and I'd like to think I've got a pretty rough idea of how it goes, but how, how do you play volleyball? Like, What's the main rules of volleyball? How, explain it to like a sort of for dummy type thing. So... You've got obviously got two types of volleyball. You've got indoor volleyball, um, which is how I started playing, which is six people versus six people. So 66 indoor court. And then you've got beach volleyball, which I've kind of transitioned to and play like pretty much exclusively now, um, which is 2v2. Um, so for me, beach volleyball is very much more difficult, A, because you've got less people to cover a similar area. Like it's a smaller court, but it's still... In terms of a ratio, it's much less um, court to cover indoor. So you're on the beach, you've got more space to cover, and you're obviously running and jumping on the sand, which is extremely difficult, especially as most countries you play in are super warm. Like last week, we were playing in Israel, and the game when we started was 37 degrees. <laughs> um, and they're literally like watering down, hosing down the courts in between points and in between uh, timeouts to to keep it cool enough for us to play. So like, so you didn't burn your feet, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the sun just literally bakes bakes the sand and if you stand in the same place for too long, like you're you're getting burnt bottoms of your feet and you're getting blisters and, and, and things like that. It's, it's pretty gnarly. I, pre- I presume like you've kind of went into beach volleyball because you said before that you're kind of more one of the athletic ones rather than the really tall ones to take it that's a kind of benefit if you're needing to cover more court. It is, um, it is a benefit being like, you kind of have to be athletic anyway. To be honest with you, the reason that I changed was literally there's just more opportunities. So for indoor volleyball right now, I guess the kind of easiest way to explain it would be that we are part of a league called Small Countries, Small Nations. And for indoor volleyball, we can only play those, I think there's like 10 countries. We can only play those teams. But if you play beach, you can play on the world tour against any any country and at any tournament as long as you have the points to get in. Um, if I was to liken it to another sport, it's kind of similar to like tennis. So you've got three levels. You've got the pro, elite, and beach volleyball It's called elite, which is the stuff that like, in tennis, Andy Murray Djokovic would be playing. And then you've got a middle level called Challenger. And then you've got a lower level called um, Futures, 
So it's the same kind of setup, three-tiered system. And whether you get into a tournament or not literally just depends on how many ranking points you've got. So there's no real barriers to playing international beach volleyball um, other than you need the, the points to get into the tournament. But it's not like as Scotland, we can only play against other countries or um, a sort of select few nations, which which is really cool. Is is there a club set up as well as international? So there there is, but it's not like again, it's not like football and rugby where clubs would compete against each other. Um, to be honest with you, beach volleyball is mostly done. You would enter competitions as like a pair, so you and your partner would play in an event. So within the UK, there's like uh, a tour called the the UKBT, which is UK Beach Tour, and um, it's actually slowly getting bigger. There's slowly getting more sponsors bigger events um and one of my good friends jake he he runs a tour and that is something that's definitely going from strength to strength so if you wanted to enter a, a uk beach tour event you enter as a pair rather than that than as like a team or a club what, what sort of level are you at then where, where are you playing so right now we're playing Futures internationally, which is the, the lowest level. Um, and we are competing at like the top end of um, UKBT. So we're like one of the top four or five teams in the UK just now. Um, and we're the, the only team probably out of the four or five in the UK that aren't full-time funded athletes. I take it there's like it's exactly the same as tennis, I suppose, like, Males and mixed and females. So there's there's actually no mixed as like an international game, but mixed volleyball tournaments are super popular. They're like a really big social thing. And it's how a lot of clubs around the world, actually, I guess, like from my experience, how, make their money. So I guess if you're thinking about it as a kind of pyramid hierarchy, like elite volleyball is like the that top tip of the iceberg but a lot of money from volleyball comes from like social recreational club people who want to play with their pals from work or um people who want to play mixed volleyball just to just to have fun and touch a ball so you can't actually play competitive mix but it is very much like a, an important part of the game yeah so uh, maybe i'm misunderstanding this and i'm just being daft but there's you would enter as that duo but yeah. do you enter just as that too, or do you have like subs, or how does that work? Is it just you two? So you, that's it, literally. You you enter as a pair, and and that and that's it for for that competition. Yeah, that's intense. And then, do you have like do you have like Ross and Wallace or whatever it is as your like main pair, or is there a, is there like a group of you guys that are sort of being picked? So we would be uh, McKelvey Curry. Um, but yeah so it, ultimately i guess it kind of it kind of depends like in the uk beach tour a lot of the guys who play actually we, so a lot of the pairs aren't from the same country so they're not too bothered about playing with another english person or there's not they don't want to play, they're not too bothered about playing with another Spanish person because in UKBT, you can play, a Spanish person can play with a Polish person or a Aussie guy can play with a New Zealand guy or whatever. So that that's part of it. Um, in general, most people in the UK too are kind of, they'll rotate partners. They like to play with other people. 
for me and my partner, um, we keep it the same purely because I think it's easier. You get to know your other your other half of your pair. You get to know their tendencies, blah, blah, blah. But also when it comes to international, you have to play with someone from your country. So that decision's kind of made a little bit easier f- for us in that in that perspective. The thing that shocked me the most was the difference in team size. So, like, I mean, like, I I just thought indoor volleyball. Maybe the best way to say this is I just thought beach volleyball was indoor volleyball and sand, but that's that's a yep. completely different game. So, so you've you've almost only got well two positions because only two folk in your beach game, but. How, the dynamic must be so different. If, tell us the yeah, I, I'm the butchering this as a question, but how? What is the main difference is working together? Because do you have like is it zonally based or yeah? How does that work? So, to, I guess like the first thing you need to know would probably be that most teams will have one person who blocks, so they're up at the net trying to stop the ball get past. And then you've got one defender whose job it is to stop the ball hitting the sand in the backcourt. Um, from there, the the blocker and the defender are very much working off the same system or the same play, if you will. So the defender knows where the blocker is going to block, so what space they're going to take away from the hitter. And then it's the job of the defender to work around that basically so I'd say both are really tough jobs but I think the blockers probably get a more physically difficult job and the defender's job is a little bit more about being clever and being tactical about what they show so they might show the hitter one thing they might be standing on one side of the court and then when they hit the ball they might make a switch and run to the other side of the court so there's a lot of kind of show something and then do something completely different. Um, but yeah, for sure, beach volleyball is way more about tactics, game plan, um, and indoor, it's a little bit more about like, you've got four hitting options in indoor, whereas beach volleyball, you've only got one. <laughs> so you can only set to your partner, really. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's the kind of easiest way to describe it, I think. But So... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm basing everything I know here from Wii Sports Resort. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least I admit I don't know what I'm talking about. I try my best. <laughs> um, that, right, I'm going to ask a very, very weird question. And I feel like this is one of those ones that's just really... You know how, like, when you were younger... I'm going to give you a bit of background here. In my head, quicksand was going to be a massive issue for me, right? I just thought... I was going to die to quicksand. That or tetanus were going to kill me. Lockjaw was going to kill me, right? But this is a massive thing in my head, and I'm going to ask, and you're going to take the piss. Shut up, Ed. Stop laughing, okay? Leave me alone. I feel like I'll just explain what was on in my head. I think everyone has these thoughts, but they don't just explain the question. it. Yeah, sure. So the question is, right, see how when you do the thing, you go like... <laughs> like yeah. It makes you look like you yeah. haven't touched the ball. How do you do that? I could never manage. It was, it was like... I don't know what happens. So, for those of you watching on YouTube, <laughs> Wallace, man, just, look at that. Wallace, Wallace just mimed of what's called a volley. Um, so that's where you play the ball above your head. Yeah, no, no, you're good. At least you remembered one of the shots from your high school 
volleyball. And Spike, I remember Spike as well. That was Spike, fun. okay. What was the third one? So you've got volley, which is above your head, Spike to hit it over the net, and what was the one kind of below your chest? You're, you're actually going to be really impressed here because this is just Dig. Dig. It. Mate, you're all over it. Yeah, it's time for me to just walk out. That's the There you go. Fair play. Thanks, man. Um, I good knowledge. <laughs> no, I did, no, I didn't. I genuinely didn't. I, I just will actually give myself credit for once. I genuinely knew that. I would check his history, but I don't think I want to do that. So. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> My last... Let's just check. Let's check. This is dangerous. <laughs> um... I've uh, the only really volleyball I've watched is kind of on the Olympics, like the beach volleyball through the Olympics and that. And I actually really got into it in the, I think it was the Brazil Olympics in 2016. Uh, yeah, it was 2016. That was yeah, it. real sure. Um, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, how kind of far away is that? Like, what's the kind of process to get into the Olympics? Nine years ago. Um. Yeah. So. The, the actual process for a team to get into the Olympics, there there's a couple of routes. So you can be ranked in the top 16 for either gender in the world. So top 16 teams get an automatic spot therein. You can win your continental qualifier. So the event we played in Europe uh, in Israel last week was actually a Europe continental qualifier for the Olympics. We didn't win, sadly, so we are out. <laughs> but there's five teams in each qualifier stage and then they just kind of whittle down from there. But um, you can win your continental qualifier. So they have those one of those for each continent. So Europe, South America, etc. Um, you can get a wild card spot. So that's just where the host country picks a team to go into the Olympics. Um, and then there's like also special spots reserved for like world champions, European champions. Um, and then there's also one spot reserved for the host country as well. So if you are France in the next Olympics, um, you're going to get a team entered entered automatically. So there, there's a couple of ways to do it, but sadly that's not something that's on any UK, UK team's radar. Is like there's just way bigger volleyball countries out there that, like based, to, put it, put, to put it simply, there's too many countries where their football slash rugby for us is is volleyball or beach volleyball, um, and we just um, the, the United States for one. They're they're massive, but obviously big population. Um, Brazil are really strong. Italy's really strong. To be honest, most countries really excel in both indoor and beach. Like it's just they kind of come hand in hand. So yeah, a lot of European countries are real strong. Germany is pretty good. Um, Poland really strong. Like they're kind of the top ones, but there's there's a lot of countries that are that are really strong at the moment. Do you know what? Actually, for the guys, really random country that you probably wouldn't expect, but they've been at the top of the game for the guys for the last five years, maybe Norway. Oh, that was going to be wrong. <laughs> Where are you going to guess? Albania. <laughs> Just want to throw it out there. Albania. <laughs> Who's better, you or the good lady? Alice, my girlfriend Alice, is significantly better at beach volleyball than I will probably ever be. Um, she's such a good beach volleyball player; it's it's frightening. She's levels above me, uh, sadly, but she she's had real good exposure to like 
coaching in New Zealand and she also played, she learned, I guess, learned her trade in, in the States. She was a, a Div 1 NCAA uh, college athlete, which is, oh. is huge. It's, it's basically like like playing pro um, from the minute you kind of turn 18, which is an incredible opportunity that she that she had. So it, what, So you're at sort of futures level. Where is she in the world? Yeah. So Alice is like playing challengers, which is that middle, and then she's getting into some elite 16s. And her goal is very much to play the Olympics next year. Like if she she gets into the Olympics, like she can she can call time on her sporting career and be like, yeah, that's I've I've ticked that box. That was what I've always wanted, and and leave kind of very happy. Is that? I don't mean say yes or no, it's going to happen, but is that something that's definitely possible this year? Yeah. It's definitely possible for, for us and her, her partner, Shauna. Yeah. So they are, they're working real hard just now. They're traveling a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely on the cards for them and, and, and is a real possibility. Is she from New Zealand? She's from New Zealand. Yeah. So she, she actually also has a, a British passport though, which is, super helpful for her for her moving here um but yeah she's um she's from new zealand originally who is <coughs> i asked um, i asked glenn this about the timber sports and it's a question that i actually think is quite a clever question who's like your <laughs> you know exactly what i'm gonna say don't you no all oh, right okay Do i was just to... laughing i was just laughing i was just laughing at you saying i i think my question's quite a clever question <laughs> I'm not really that confident in many things. I think this is quite cool. Who's like your Megan Rapino and the girls, and who's your Leo Messi and the the guys in volleyball? Oh, so for the guys, it's definitely one of the the Norwegian guys that I asked earlier. Uh, that I asked earlier. I didn't ask <laughs> anything earlier. Um, the guys that I mentioned earlier, um, a guy called Anders Moll. Um, he's one of the Norwegian guys. He's just like. Real tall, super athletic, does loads of cool stuff. He's he's like the Messi Ronaldo. For the women, I'm probably I'm slightly less clued up in the women. There's there's no like I wouldn't say there's any like real head and shoulders above. There's a lot of women who are real strong. Off the top of my head, someone like there's a girl from America called Kelly Clays, who's like my height blocker super athletic and she just like absolutely dominates but um i also probably listen to this and be like oh i can't believe you said kelly clays that's so stupid like <laughs> you missed out xyz who's like way better but that she was the first one who came came to my head <laughs> sorry uh, sorry kelly if you're listening <laughs> alice is not as strong yeah. you um, <laughs> uh, you said something there you're like oh he does cool stuff is that that's something i never even assumed was a thing in volleyball I just see it as make sure it doesn't hit the ground, get it over the net. Is there ways to be trick shots? Yeah, yes, there's trick shots. Yeah. So <laughs> is there trick shots in your game? Can they do nah, 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 nah. So this this actually is a really clever question. Um nah, maybe just like a more a, a more timely question. So <laughs> like the last the last year, maybe there's been like so much change. More so in the guys' side of the game, but there was these two really young kids who I think are maybe now about 21, but when they came onto the scene, they were about 18 or 19. And they like have completely 
revolutionised the way that men's beach volleyball is played. So if you imagine beach volleyball or same as indoor volleyball is each team has three touches. So you dig, you set, and the third one's usually hit over. These guys started hitting the ball over in two. They started then like jumping, faking, hitting the ball in two, and then setting their partner. Like they've just started doing all this crazy stuff that like just wasn't done. So they're now known as like the jump setters because they jump fake and then will shoot the ball to their partner to hit. But because they've jumped on the second touch, the opposition team's blocker has quite a lot of the time jumped with them. So it gives their partner like an open net and just it's it's so cool. And that's like the next big thing in beach volleyball is like trying to find tactics to A, play against that and then just trying to kind of extrapolate that, I guess, and, and make that more accessible to, to, to big teams around the world. Is, is that something that has just completely never been done before? Like, it's brand new? Yeah. So, like, if you watch these young kids play, like, I, I, me and Alice have talked about this, like, I can't really think in my time of something, a sport that has changed, been changed by one team as much as this. Like, I guess it's kind of like, they obviously talk about, like, Barcelona, like, Tiki Taka or whatever, but that's just kind of passing the ball really fast. Like this is something, it's as if someone's made up a completely new skill in football, like a new passing, like they've just done something that has never been done before. And when they played teams for the first time doing these jump sets and really fast shooty sets, like teams were literally just looking through the net and being like, what is going on here? Like, I don't know what to do against this. And they were just absolutely hammering teams for, a good six months to a year before teams could actually cotton on to what was happening to them. It, it was it was crazy to watch. The thing the thing that sort of jumps out to me is the only thing that can be compared to is like uh, Dick Fosbury with the high jump. You know, like everyone. Yes. Yeah. Fosbury flop. Yeah. Absolutely. That's nuts. And 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 this is this is going to sound like such a volleyball uneducated question, but I assume a lot of people listening that don't know volleyball are going to say. It doesn't seem like that much of a change. Why Why? Why wasn't... Because, you know, you've got three hits, make sure it doesn't hit the ground, set up, bang, fine. But why Why hasn't that been considered before? Why is that so new? Does that make sense? Because, and, and you know, listening to it, it doesn't sound like a massive change. I can see why it is. But why is it so new? See, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, I have no idea why someone hasn't done it. I, I think kind of knowing their coach a little bit I think it's a lot to do with their coach like he was just like this super innovative guy who was like yeah go out there try something new like if it doesn't work it doesn't work but in terms of why someone hasn't done it before I have absolutely zero clue why it works is just because it doesn't give the other team enough time to do anything like if you see someone jump on the second contact especially when you've seen people hitting it over the net in two, that blocker has to jump. They can't just not jump. So if you're halfway through your jump and then you see them change from going to a hit to setting the ball to their opponent, you're like hanging in midair like, oh no, I know exactly how this is going to end. <laughs> and guys are just swinging on free nets. I'll send you a video after this. It's absolutely, it's crazy. 
That's a joke, you're the judge, yeah. That, that's so funny. I can just imagine like the first time these guys are doing it and just guys watching them are like, why have we not done this before? <laughs> Let's, yeah. You can yeah. just see cogs turning in people's heads like, A, why have I not thought of this? And B, I have no idea how to play against this. The, the equivalent <laughs> I can give you from, from rugby is like, see when you see like Finn Russell or someone just like throw this mad dummy and the guy, the defender's like ankles just absolutely break because they go with the pass and then he just cuts back inside. It's, it's like that. Like they just commit, but then their space opens up somewhere else. And it's it, that's kind of the, the best example I think I can give. And are these, so what level are these guys playing at, Ross? So these guys have came up through futures. As I say, they're real young, came up through futures and they're now like winning elites. Like they are ridiculously young and they're actually kind of following a similar tra- trajectory to the Norwegian guys so Scandinavia is really flying the flag for beach volleyball like the 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 Norwegian guys Moll and Sorum they were like real young when they started getting good like maybe 22 23 and they've been at the top for like the last five years like they've been so consistent won almost every tournament and then at the end of last year, these two young Swedish guys have came through a little bit younger, 2021, 20, and they're like getting to finals consistently, getting to semi-finals consistently, and they've beat the the Norwegian guys who are who are known as the Vikings um, for like the last couple of tournaments, which is which is real cool. So these guys doing this new thing are Swedish. Yeah. So the younger guys who are doing the the new style player are Swedish, and the guys who are still young but a little bit older are are Norwegian. What is the sort of you're saying? Twenty one is like massively young, whereas in football it's young, but you certainly get players at that stage. What is the sort of volleyball age range? Um, so beach volleyball is actually way older. So at the last Olympics, the the USA had a couple of guys who were like forty who played for them, um, purely because the like wear and tear in your body is not the same. So you're you're obviously doing a lot of jumping, but you're jumping on sand and landing on sand. So it's like super low impact. So you're not getting anywhere near the same level or quantity of injuries as a lot of other sports. Um, so yeah, like that kind of leads to leads to a bit of longevity, I guess. Is there indoor and beach at Commonwealth and Olympics? So indoor and beach in the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, just beach volleyball. And that was purely because... Uh, I think when it went to Australia to host last time, it was one of the kind of optional sports. So they chose to have it included because they're, they're a strong Commonwealth beach volleyball country. Ah, uh, okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's just me that's kind of surprised that Scandinavia are good at beach. You know, it, it, like, yes. I'm, I'm not saying you have to have the conditions in a country, but for the most part, Brazil are good at beach-based sports yeah. because it's a beach. It's a massive country without a beach. But, you know, like it sort of leans itself to it. How, maybe, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but why is that? That just seems like a really random... What's, what's quite funny, there was like, I think like a Twitter thread or something or like Reddit or something. And it was a picture of some warm country, say like, what, let's use cool runnings. It was like a picture of like a Jamaican guy who'd won like the skeleton at the Winter Olympics. And someone had just commented on it said, oh, that's so stupid. That's like the equivalent of Norway being good at beach volleyball. And just like tons of people jumped on him and were like, they actually are like world champions and have been for like three years. So like, shut up. 
<laughs> um, it's true, though. I mean, the guy was wrong, yeah. but I get his point. You know. Yeah, I I don't think there's really there's there's not really a strong history, but I think it's more about the individual teams. So the the guy Anders Mall, his big brother and his little brother all play. They come from like a big beach volleyball family. And I think like it just happened, like so many kind of athletes, even in Scotland, like they had beach volleyball courts at their school, like their dad's always been their coach. So I think it was like a little bit more about their circumstance than than the country that they were born in, if that makes sense. So yeah. kind of similar to like an, an Andy Murray or something, like his mum's a coach, like he lives in Dunblane, there's heaps of tennis <clears> courts. <throat> it's kind of a perfect storm, I guess. Yeah, two of them, I guess. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, sorry, did you say no, no, no. no, um this is I guess the answer for Alice would be different to yourself on this question, but is it a sport that you can make a living from? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It depends what level. Um I guess I, I would say yes, but only if you're in like the top 10%. Like there's a fraction of players making like real good livings. And it also probably depends what country you come from. Like if you come from America, you can be like not amazing, but you can have, you'll have like heaps of sponsorship deals, stuff like that. Um, whereas over here or even in Europe, it tends to be like companies will sponsor governing bodies. So let's say like, SIAT, I think, sponsors like Aust- the Austrian Federation. So they'll sponsor and give money to the Federation, but they won't, it won't be like Cristiano Ronaldo wearing like Nike football boots. Um, so that that top percentage will get a decent chunk of money and earn like a good living. The rest, there's just not the depth. Like it's not like, again, to use football, if you play in the Conference League, which would be like us, um, you're getting like £1,500 a week, which is still good money. Like they just it just doesn't filter down particularly well. Um, so even for winning a futures event, you're getting like a thousand pounds. For winning a, a challenger, you're maybe getting eight thousand pounds, and for winning an elite, you might get twenty. But that's also divided by two, and it's a lot of it goes towards like travel, flights, blah blah blah. And how often is that? <sighs> So there's maybe, and see, to be honest with you, for me, this is the big problem with this new structure in beach volleyball. There's not enough tournaments. There's So the reason that it works for tennis is that you have an elite, a challenger, and a futures like every weekend pretty much. So the tournaments basically sort themselves out. So the top 100 goes to the elite, the top, 100 to 200 goes to challenger blah 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 and it filters down but there's a real shortage of tournaments so tournaments get really stacked really quickly and there's maybe only 10 elites a year so maybe one a month it works out as um maybe a few more challengers and then like a few more futures but they definitely just need more events but it's it's hard to it can be hard to persuade countries to put on events when they're not really money makers ultimately. Understandable, um, which which is a shame, which is a shame, but but it is understandable. And I guess probably the only other thing I've really got 
less than volleyball is. In football, obviously, there's there's massive, massive disparity between the men and women's game. Um, the change in the women's game in the last decade has been phenomenal. Like, I think it was, um, it was Arsenal PSG in the semi-final of the Women's Champions League. And uh, it was something like two and a half thousand was attendance in 2013. And then it was like 52 this year. Mad. Yeah, which is brilliant. Like, And, and there is the sort of, there's the, I would say, sort of uneducated opinion of women should be on the same money. I disagree until it becomes as big a product because if the money's not there, the money's not there. That's quite simply yeah. what it is. There's yeah, a lot need of... To make, need to bring in the money. Yeah, they? of course. There's Now, there's there's an onus <clears> on... on the, the sort of FIFA, UEFA, whoever, to make that happen and promote that sport and promote it. And we're speaking about grassroots and professional level, promote that at grassroots. I said earlier intentionally that, you know, the main thing in Scotland for boys is football and rugby. Certainly in my school, football was not pushed for girls and that was wrong. Like, it, it really wasn't. It was hockey or pretty much it, in fairness. But my, my question is, is, is women and men on a par with each other? Is it the same game? Or not beach volleyball in terms of viewing figures and and kind of media stuff. I think it probably is the same. I you you could ask Alice; she might give you a different answer. But I think at the top level, it's it's pretty it's pretty evens in terms of how many people watch. Blah blah blah. Some of that might be because the women's game, like women, there's like really good looking women wearing bikinis to play, like. That, you're right, that's, just that is part, a that's just a part of it. Um, for for example, and I know like a lot of companies will purposefully ask girls to like put sponsorship on like their bikini bottoms on their bum or their crotch or whatever. And some girls are like absolutely like give me the money or very much the opposite way and are like nah, like that's not me. I need money, but like keep it. So that that is definitely a part of it that perhaps viewing figures might be even higher for women than men for part of that reason. Um, but definitely at the top level, like the games, the physicality is different, but the quality of the volleyball in dis- on display is definitely, it's, it's definitely way more similar to like a football or a rugby for sure. That's good. Which I think is really, co- really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That advertising <laughs> place it's in is quite sad, but I, I, I was kind of hoping you'd maybe take a wee advert on your bottom and watch that. <laughs> me, absolutely. Throw <laughs> some numbers at me. RT, RTK podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really funny, actually. That would be quite cool. Um, just like R2K with OSS, where we are. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, it's a shame that's how it is though and and like you're we're talking about money like it's not a game you're going to become a multi-millionaire from um so it's kind of exploiting that which, which is a shame but here it's it's good to hear sort of from a quality perspective and a, and a sort of viewership they're pretty similar i always like to hear that um but obviously it's not a thing that creates you a, a sort of massive income so so where where what is the career at the minute so I'm going, I'd say I've just had a year off, but I'm going, I'm going back to work um, in August. So back, back to school to teach in, in August. Um, but as you kind of, I, or I mentioned at the start, I'm, I'm also a coach, um, a, a PT and online and in-person PT. And to kind of link those two together, that was why I started that kind of side hustle for want of a better term, although it has become, it's taken over a little bit more in re- this year. 
but I, I basically started that business to to fund my volleyball travel um, and expenses, and it's kind of grown from there. So, um, yeah, I get a good good wage as a, a teacher, but a lot of these volleyball trips, as you can probably imagine, are are in pretty exotic locations, and and it's not exactly a a Ryanair flight across the across the channel to to some of these destinations, you know. Imagine, and what it tells about because. Getting into teaching is a thing a lot of folk want to do. Um, yeah. I'm in teaching of sorts. Not of sorts. I'm in teaching, but it's slightly different. <laughs> what are you suggesting? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this already. I just said the wrong thing, and here we are again. Um, every time you bring it up as well, isn't it? <laughs> you're, you're teaching, they're not learning. <laughs> it's probably for teaching. teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Continue on you go. <laughs> you just don't need me here, do you? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, but basically, my point was my route was different. I never trained as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have, yeah. but I never trained as a teacher. But that's different for schools. So, so what's the sort of what's the what's the process to get into the position teaching at high school? So I guess you've got you've got two main paths. So you can go once you leave sixth year. Um, you can go to uni and you can study a four-year teaching course. So for PE teaching, I think the options are only Edinburgh Uni and Stirling Uni. So you can study a four-year course or the kind of second alternative would be you study some kind of degree related to the subject you want to teach and then you do a one-year postgrad uh, PGDE year um, where you become qualified as a teacher. Um, after that, after both of those, um, you then do uh, an NQT year, which is basically you get a job for a year and you're technically a teacher, but there's still this one year that you need to pass and tick all the boxes off for. I did not know about the first option. No. no. So for for your course? Yeah, generally did not as a thing. So what's that called? That That's called? just, that would just be a... Uh, I guess PE teaching, physical physical education teaching, yeah, it's or whatever English teaching, <laughs> yeah. What uh, what made you want to get into PE teaching? Um, I guess like as I've kind of touched on, like I've had a real passion for sports, like not just one thing in particular, but ever like all sports since I've been real young. Uh, my parents kind of pushed that in me, and just I thought like I always knew I wanted to be in sports um, or some kind of job where I can help people and I, I think it's as simple as that um, also I think when you when you get into the postgrad teaching program like it's an opportunity you need to take because it is so competitive like there can be three or four hundred people going for I think the year I was there there was 15 places so it's kind of one of those ones that's like if you get in, you are a real strong candidate, and you you kind of need to need to take that opportunity. That's mad. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like there's a lot of people like when I was at school that that's kind of the route they wanted to go down. It's a very popular like course to start with, at least. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, there's just I think more a lot more courses kind of feed into it, if if you will. Whereas, like, if you're going to go and, say, do postgrad English, there's probably not that many uni courses that kind of filter down into, into English teaching. You're probably doing 
English lit or something along those lines, but there's probably not a kind of wide variance of courses. Do you enjoy the Masters? Is it a Masters? PG Tip, did you say? Sorry. Did you no, well, I've, I've not done a Masters. I did really like my PGD. Yeah. Um, so I, ha- I have a few Masters credits, but I don't have a, a Masters degree. Um, I loved it. Um, so I, I studied at UWS and Air, um, which at the time I think was the best uni in the UK for PGD education, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's like super intense, but very practical and like p- placement driven. So I think we got something like 18 weeks of placement over the year, um, broken up with kind of small blocks of of essays and um, and kind of in uni stuff. But it suited me down to the ground because I was like so heavily practically based. I wanted to be out teaching. I wanted to be out learning from other other really good teachers. And, and it's literally that's what the course is, is you get so much time practical time in the classroom and uh, and in the gym hall for us um which i think is why it, it works so well you've obviously been out for a year are you looking forward to getting back to it i am looking forward to getting back um i'm definitely not not looking forward to getting back put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i and see, see to be honest with you i think if i worked in a different school i could see my feelings being very different um but the, the reason that I am in my school and the reason that I'm keen to go back is because of the staff that are in our PE department. Like, they are, like, shout out Irvin Royal PE department. Um, they're just so, so good. And, like, as a collective group, we are, like, real good friends. Like, we help each other. We're, and you, I think a lot of people might think that every department would be like that or should be like that. But that's like definitely not the case. Um, so I think I'm I'm very lucky to have that that workplace that provides such a good environment to be in every day. That's class. That's really nice to hear because you do you do hear people say like I don't want to say they say what you know their team they're working isn't great, but the, the amount of people I've heard that oh there's this issue with a boss or this issue with a colleague or whatever, and they never get the experience. Like I know the job I'm in, like my team's insane, and I can't say how good it is. And that just yeah. makes the experience positive for you, for your students or pupils, should say. Uh, yeah, that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Tell us about the PT side and plug work it out. Go for it. You're already probably um, yes. all the time. Maybe just subliminally. Go on, show us the t-shirt. Show us. Yeah, good man. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, I also run my my PT slash coaching business. And I say PT so people know what I mean. Um, but like when I think of PT in my head, I just think of some like dude standing in the gym and like trackies counting bench press reps. But that's like that's like so old school, but yeah, so I, I also coach um, and, and run a, a company called Workout, uh, Workout Fitness. So as I say, that that's something that I started to fund beach volleyball, but has in the last year when I've had the time to do so has just like grown so much. Like I transferred a lot of my in-person clients to online. I've had to learn heaps of skills to, to keep them going and get there, give them the same experience that they were getting in person. And it's kind of just grown arms and legs. I've grown in terms of how much cli- how many clients I've got signed up with me. I've grown in terms of my knowledge. I've grown in terms of 
as you guys will know, hosting a podcast, like there's always an easier way to do something or there's always better technology or there's also always this app that makes things easier or and yeah I think to be honest with you I think it'll actually be really positive for going back to work I've got a few things in the holster just to like walk back into the PE department and be like hey did you know about this because I can make this job that we do every day like so much easier if we just use this so yeah I think off the back of this year especially it's um work it out has definitely grown grown arms and legs which which I love and I'm super passionate about can I just give you a very tragic, very Wallacey uh, motto? It's grown arms and legs. And what we do is grow arms and legs <laughs> because they get muscles. In. Like, you had a question. Just going to write out. Anyway. I'll stick it on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. please, please do. Please do. I'll fund it. I'll fund it. What? Uh... <laughs> so see, obviously, like, if, like someone's going into PT, the likes of if I was wanting to be a PT, I'd need to do like the coaching badges and that for it. Do you still yeah. have to do them or are you all right because of your PE teaching background? So you still do need to do it. Um, you still need um, your PT, PT level three um, and your your base, two basic qualifications, gym, gym instructor level one and two and then PT level three. Um, so you do need those to, to 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 be a certified PE teacher, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's kind of separate from from teaching. Um, we got or I got mine through through uni. They offered us a discount because we were obviously like sports sports related students. So I did my first way back like nine years ago, and then I I did my PT more recently. But I've had those qualifications for a while. And do you work like out of a specific gym or is it just kind of whatever the clients are at? It kind of depends. So my, my parents have actually got a gym in their garage. So I use that a lot. Um, and then I, I work out of my, my own gym that I go to as well. Um, and then the rest are kind of online. And I'm right now prioritizing that switch to get as many people online as possible. And it's not, it's not for everyone. Um, but I think there's so many benefits that people can get from online coaching for, let's be honest, like a fraction of the price, like the, the price of in-person PT obviously varies depending on where you stay, but it is crazy. Like air, which is like a small town, your average PT session is probably 30 pounds an hour. Um, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. And you can't sustain that. No. Like doing that like three, four times a week, just not possible. Because I like to get in a PT and like I think it'd be fair to say I'm on a wage above the average. And like I was like, I can't do this forever. Like I did it twice and I was like, oh, it's giving me a bit of an idea. And then I completely forgot everything you said. And then you helped me a lot <laughs> online. <laughs> like it's a, but I don't know how I'm trying to ask this. Is is there like a ceiling as to how many because you I think you, you sort of look online yeah and you're like oh you can just have thousands of clients but you can't you, you're still you're still dedicating a lot of time to these people with sort of like I take it they send you videos and they're like oh Ross how's this I know I did and you said well it's that shit this is how you do it uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was it with it was he didn't say shit but he said this needs a lot of work because he's worked <laughs> no, what was the, what it was the Romanian day all right, okay. And uh, I, I, I keep I, a tricky one to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think what we did with Dumbo. 
Dumbbells. Yeah, it's easier than dumbbells. <laughs> no, I'm saying better with dumbbells. Oh, I see. It's a better movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't get it to not hit my knees. Anyway, uh, it was very difficult for it. Don't look down and try to work out how that happened, Ed. I saw that. I saw that. We're not all gifted like you appear. Shut up. I hate this, right? Um, <laughs> right, but, you go, Fred. <laughs> please, please. Um, how much time? You must have to dedicate a lot of time to these clients. Like, how does that work? Is it? Yeah, how does that work? So, so yeah, I think actually to kind of touch touch upon your first bit where you said you did a couple of PT sessions, like you got your workout with them and then they probably told you a couple of things and then you went away feeling quite good, but then you'd forgot forgot it by the time you went home or what, by the time it came to implement things. I think that's like a massive, maybe not misconception, but thing that people miss. So when you pay for an in-person PT, and you pay that, let's say, Aaron and Freeze, thirty pounds an hour. If someone list, someone's listening in London, it could be sixty pounds an hour. But anyway, um, they pay that thirty pounds per hour. You're paying for that hour, but what actually gets you the results in terms of weight loss, blah blah blah, is the other hundreds of hours of the week. It's being in that PT session will not make or break your results, but your habits in terms of other exercise steps nutrition blah 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 that you're doing away from that pt session is what makes the change and what makes the results and that's where an online coach comes in because you're basically in their pocket you could you're a message away and like most gym-based coaches unless you're paying them extra will not do that for you so that is that's very much the difference and i think the people the part that people don't think about when they think online coaching that's true it's that makes sense yeah it's like a more holistic approach whereas you you go to a gym you get a pt like it makes sense and is commonly accepted for obvious reasons that you're there to show you how to lift weights to show you how to whatever do the exercise side there's no assistance to nutrition or general lifestyle and balance and that sort of thing and that but that that is also tricky in that you know, you've been working out for however long and yes, you've been eating well, but you've had a sort of focus on on you for your profession, volleyball. For sure. PT, that's quite tricky. You have to then learn more than just how to exercise correctly. You need to know nutrition. And that's not something you just know. Like there's there's experience yeah. there, so there's, there's almost more. That must be quite tricky to learn. Or did you already sort of know that stuff anyway? Um, I think that a lot of the nutrition stuff, I probably i would probably admit that i picked up based on me like when i was 16 or 17 again there's like a photo of me on instagram i think i was a 41 inch waist so i was big like and i think right now i'm like a 32 or 34 um so i did go through that phase of and like don't get me wrong like i never looked really big because i was tall um, so I kind of got away with it and could hide it a little bit, but I did lose kind of 10 inches off my waist at one point. So I did that all through myself and I learned about calories in, calories out, like calorie deficit, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I can empathize a lot of the time with the people that I'm working with if, if weight loss or fat loss is, is their goal. Yeah. Are you just I, looking uh, for this photo loss? Yeah, I realised I don't follow your personal account on my brand account, so I can't see it. 
Was it 41 waste? I'm probably like 59 or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's one of them things that I think a lot of people try and go to the gym and they don't see a difference in like two weeks, but they've actually been eating more because they think they can because they've been to the gym. They're actually putting on weight and then they just mm-hmm. give up because they're not seeing the improvements. But it's like nutrition is like 80% of the, of the battle. And it's Absolutely. Quite, I did that. I did that. So, yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, like 90% of people, that's obviously just a guess, but yeah. I would say I'll do that and just, I'll go to the gym five or six times a week. And I either way, if they're trying to get bigger, they won't be eating enough. Or if they're trying to lose weight, they will not be in a calorie deficit. And no matter what you're doing in the gym, if you're not, I mean, it, nothing will happen. Yeah, well, that's it. And like, I mean, you guys are, are very much, you are fit. Like, it's quite clear. But I'm at the stage where I'm sort of in the first year of trying to get better. And yes, I've lost weight. But the, the challenges of, like, one minute I'm like, right, I'm working out and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm walking a lot. Walking's very much been the main thing I've done. But I'm like, fuck, I'm still eating shit. And, like, trying to get that that balance was a major struggle. And I think having that person on the phone just to be like, just chat you through it. And, and I mean, I've, 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 I've really lucky personally, like I've had folk like yourself, both of you have sort of given me tips throughout. There's other folk, Jay, Brogan, loads of folk I could mention, um, you know, Jack, Jamie, whatever, that have sort of given those little tips and just having those little, a little thing, maybe three times a week is so much more than what will probably be a situation where you're like, oh, I've got PT tonight and they're going to be whatever, you know, and that's almost demoralizing. Like if you're not hitting that like massive intensity on that whatever night, I would really struggle with that personally. It's just accountability, absolutely. So if if there's people listening who maybe want to make a difference the way they look and they don't want to pay for a coach, that would be my first step. I would say tell people. And, And that's a massive reason for why people fail, even if they do have a coach people around them don't know what they're trying to do. So it's like, oh, Wallace is trying to lose weight, but you've not told, like, let's say you still live at home. You've not told your mom and dad, so they still buy the same shopping and, like, the fridges full of chocolate and, like, the cupboards are full of biscuits and crisps and stuff. So there's no one to hold you accountable and your environment is so much worse for you to then try and do what you're trying to do. Even, like, friends, just tell your friends like look next couple of weeks like i'm i'm going on holiday like i'm trying to cut some fat blah 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 and then they know right if we want to hang out like i maybe shouldn't ask her to go for coffee and a cake or i shouldn't ask him to go out for a pint or whatever you know so i think that's another massive thing making people aware of what you're trying to do like you've obviously said to your friends like here's what i'm trying to do i need help with this that and the other but so they're very much clued in on what you're trying to do. And I think that's a massive bit benefit to what, to what you've tried to do. You, you made a good point to me though. And it, it helped a lot. Like that was probably, I don't know, September. Yeah. September time. And I only really started in August. And uh, like, I think you actually posted a photo of mine on like your Instagram where, or not a photo of mine, like a message of something I'd sent you where I was like, I'd always yeah. want I'd always wanted to be in shape, but never wanted to be in shape. Like I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. if I could go bang and suddenly I've got six pack cool, ideal. But and I think that I assume that is the mentality of millions. And I was and <laughs> at the stage, I was like, right, I absolutely want this. And you sort of said a thing to me, Ross, and I know it's a thing that not you've just said. I know millions of folks say this, like you can't just focus on that outcome. Because if you focus on that 
what is probably going to be an unattainable outcome for 99% of people. You're never going to get there. But if you get to this stage where you're like, you actually enjoy the process, you enjoy being fitter, then that's that's the biggest tip I have. Yeah. Uh, because for like 99% of people, like having a six pack on the daily is actually incredibly bad for them. Yeah, for like sure. They're yeah. A body fat where they won't be enjoying life. So you'll have got to this stage where you get yeah. this six pack. Like bodybuilders, like it's so fake because all their Instagram photos, they'll take them all in one day. You did a very good video for that, actually. Yeah. They went down to this like 3% body fat and they look so shredded and they just take a hundred different photos in a hundred different settings and they just post it over the next three months until they can next get to that phase. See, I didn't know that was a thing. I, yeah. Until you, I knew yeah. like sort of plain or whatever, but yeah. Mate, that's, and that's the thing, like two, two things there, like two great points. Like the first thing, like your whole, right. Having like an aesthetic goal is like, it's such an unwinnable game. Like I guarantee you was, if you got to like, unbelievable shape like got got a six pack had like a nice big chest like big shoulders blah 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 you would get to that point and be like i want more of course i want i want bigger shoulders i want so it's super demoralizing it can be that you get you do all that hard work and then you get there to like if i if i'd offered you that like two years ago you'd have bit your hand off but by the time you get there it's like nah, I want bigger shoulders or, right, okay, like my upper body's real good, but I've, like, I'm not happy with my legs or, and you just start to pick everything apart. Um, so that's why, like, when it becomes real outcome orientated, you're just never going to win. <laughs> um, and then the, the second thing um, that, that you picked up on, Ed, like, people compare themselves to, like, the worst people to compare themselves, like, just purely because most people are on like Instagram all, all the time and like they follow Lululemon or they follow Gymshark or whatever. And it's like, why is 25 year old whoever who works in an office job in air comparing themselves to like somebody who models for Gymshark, whose job it is to be massive and ripped? Like that's not an accurate comparison. Like literally all that person has to do all day is go to the gym and like eat appropriately. And that's, that's their job. And like like Ed says, you get go to the gym, you shred down, you take a thousand photos and you change your outfit ten times and you spread those photos out over the course of six months. But everyone thinks that photo's from right now and they probably don't look like that all year round. Yeah, so see this guy here, he's from Dumfries. Okay, yeah. That's actually me. Uh, <laughs> I got I got the same physio as him. And uh, I went to the physio one night and she said, and I'm really late getting in. And she said, oh, sorry, I'm late. But um, I had him in uh, just before. And uh, when she was finished with the session, he was just getting rubbed down. And then, uh, and then he literally just sat up. And this was three days before his competition. And he sat up and uh, fainted. Is that because of the whole body? Because of the Is it? Shit. Yeah. So what, what, what he, he looks like he's someone like that. He's like he's out of breath walking. Like he's absolutely yeah. <laughs> preaching <breath>. this. <laughs> no, it's mad, isn't it? Like sure, it yeah, yeah. the scale. Yeah. Body fat he that'll be like what five, do you think? Yeah, I was gonna say five, five or below. Yeah. I but he looks like, the epitome. 
he looks the epitome of hell. That's what like oh yeah, a exactly. healthy person or like a fit a fit quote unquote fit person looks like that. But, but he's like yeah, he's definitely not. not. He definitely yeah. will be fit. And uh, to your point, he's done phenomenal. I I've always followed the bodybuilding and seen the things insane. But like I, I was going to ask you this because. Ronnie Coleman on uh, on Rogan said, like at peak, he was at 03 percent body fat. And from what I understand, that's just not true. Or is that possible? Yeah, no, it's I just not possible. Think so, I mean, he nah, is ridiculous, I, but I'd struggle to believe. Nah, I, definitely, I think he'd die. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Like maybe two or three. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know enough about yeah. bodybuilding to like be like. Yeah. Definitely, that's the case. But I would, I would strongly doubt it. If, like, you would die unless you were ad libitum, consistently ingesting food because you'd have no storage. Really. Unless you would start. And that's all. That's Sorry. all. That's all bodybuilders do, though. Like they eat religiously on a schedule, like an eating schedule, and that's their life. Like, and do you know what? If that's for you, fair enough. It's definitely not for me, but. Like, right, the time, the clock's at three o'clock, right, I need to eat. The clock's at five o'clock, right, I need to eat. The clock's at seven o'clock, I need to eat, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, that's your day. And Maybe there's, I there's a gap for me. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, like, but so, some of these people, I, I don't know how many will do it, but, like, that, they'll take steroids, but they'll coach people and, like, that aren't on steroids and they're like, so how am I not getting the results that you are? Yeah. You're not taking the risk of taking them um, things. But I know he does a lot of coaching and he, he's quite open about it personally. Yeah. But there'll be a lot yeah. that aren't about going and taking steroids. There's some famous names that aren't, aren't there? Like, yeah. the famous one's that Michael Hearn. Who's like fifty four or something like that, and like like that guy absolutely yeah. cut, and he's never admitted to it. But everyone seems to think it's true. That guy Liver King, who's like the Instagram guy who used to liver, but he's came out now. Yeah, well, he never came out. Basically, a guy that no, he got rumbled. He got yeah, rumbled for, sure. for yeah, one of the guys he buying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came out and he was like, oh, I fucked up. I'm not gonna lie, like, I absolutely love watching way. these videos, man. But he's he's it's quite so nuts, like. But, but I, I, I spoke to him. I spoke to him by the way. Yeah, genuinely, I was like, "Oh, can I? Do you want to come to the podcast?" And he responded. He was like, "I can't." But how cool! I spoke to him. I love it. God, I that, is, that is cool. Next. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. just after you said he's so famous. Like, <laughs> um, I love him. I love him. He's so great guy. Um, nah, yeah, just any, top, anyone. Come on, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Fake advertisements, not not great. It's so it's so common as well. Like you'll see 16 year olds and they're like, Oh, I want to be like that. And then they're like, Oh yeah, you just give me a hundred pound a month and I'll get you like that. Yeah. No problem. But it's really just. But the that's, that's another thing. Like, even if you're like 16 and you want to look like liver King, even if he was like natural, they think like that will happen in a year, two years, three years. Like it's absolutely stupid. Like someone asked me, like I, it's not. I'm saying this like I get asked all the time. Like one person recently in the gym came up to me, like a young kid, and was like, "Oh, like how how can I get to look like you?" And I was like, "Go and train every like four times a week and lift weights and come back and see what you're like." And I don't think that's what he expected me to say. <laughs> I think he expected me to give him like five movements to do like for six months and then come back and he'd look like that. But 
Yeah. You, you said the exact same, you might not remember this, you said the exact same thing to me about nine years ago. I'd started going Citadel and you were really helpful and you, I was just like, what is it you do? And that is the exact response you gave me. And to the point now that like, I am hardly the picture of fitness, not by any stretch, but I've lost a fair chunk of weight. And at work, some four or five people in the last couple of months have said like, like what's the secret? And I'm like yeah, walking hundred K a week, you know, like yeah. you just do the work. Like it's, it's, it's such a boring answer, but until you get to that mentality where you realize that is the answer, like yeah. there's no, <laughs> probably if I want to check my, my history, it would be like, get quick, uh, get, get fit. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, which in fairness, I forgot to tell you my history. The last thing was when is Ramadan? Don't know why that was important, <laughs> <laughs> don't know why that was important to me, but that was the last. Can you, can you drink slim fast on Ramadan? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but the thing is, I mean, some people will think that like walking 100k a week is the important part. The important part is how many calories you're consuming oh, while yeah. doing that, though, because the only reason that works is because you're increasing how many calories you're burning in a week. Yeah, like I haven't seen much of change the last couple of weeks because I've been eating terribly. I know I've been back at shows and I've been doing whatever, but as long as you know that, though, that's the thing. yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. Like, like if you're looking at the scales and thinking, why is it not moving? That's the scales forever, but like. I think I think it's personally the way it works for me is I'm also very comfortable in the position to be like I don't mind having a few pints I don't mind having a burger I don't mind yeah, a piece of here and there. I'm the same, if I was I, yeah exactly and if I wasn't like that I would really struggle with it really struggle. Yeah, like I'll be yeah. for six days in the week and then being able to enjoy my weekend. You know, like that's, just kind of earning it. There's two days at the weekends. That'd be nine. That'd be eight. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't go out on Fridays. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> Saturdays. <clears throat> Hence why we're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here, Ross, man. It's always fun. I love, like, obviously different Fred, but I love, uh, I love sort of chatting to someone that you know quite well, but like sort of seeing the, the proper different side. I mean, the, the real side Ross and I have seen of each other is. Um, well, it's basically beer. Last time I saw you, um, I was out for breakfast with Alice and I saw you and I was like, oh man, like I'm going to have to order something pure healthy now. Puff <laughs> 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 and I, Puff was, was one of my best mates at uni and he went to Belmont the same as you, didn't you, Ross? And, um, yeah. You into like he was oh you just don't get cooked you live in Canada you just don't get cooked breakfast uh, here, uh, in Canada and all that sort of thing he was like oh we've got to go studio uh, studio what's it called studio um, stage stage door stage door yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, he was oh I've got to go there because you can get like a 15 piece breakfast <laughs> Ross comes over and I've got like 19 cows worth of calories on my plate <laughs> like it was just it was yeah it was good to see them but I mean our, the, the time we really got to know each other I always remember I always remember this you won't remember this but um, the, the second time was probably we, we walked around like half of Butte you guys did a fundraiser and uh, yes. yeah I don't remember much about it I just remember uh, an old guy in one of the pubs in Rothsey called Jamie with a beard um, and holding hands with Harry Warburton for an hour that is all I remember of that weekend Like it was, it was a mad time but um, we were going up to a varsity competition at Oatridge yeah, rugby. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The tier that that was lethal. I had twenty four pack of Fosters over the course of that day. Like I don't, I can't do that now. I can barely have one. Yeah, like no, if it's Pornstar Martini or nothing. Like, 
Did it used to be able to catch the ball? What? He could, he could drag, he could knock it back, mate. He was like, <laughs> look at the size of him. One, yeah, one beer didn't touch the was bigger then, man. I was bigger then. Oh, mate, he was so much bigger then. One beer didn't touch the sides. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think the worst one was the, the three-quarter bottle of, uh, of absolute vodka for, for Puff's 21st that we had at mine. And he came from, he like, he's got shops. Like he's, he owns the spa at Georgetown. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was where I live, like, 100 yards away. Uh, but um, he just brought all this sort of out-of-date drink, and we just went heavy for it. And I was, uh, uh, I poured, like, quarter of this absolute, uh, poured some uh, some blackcurrant juice and some lemonade in, and I drank it, and I was in crutches, and I gained the ability to walk. <laughs> like, it was not <laughs> It's like, the- I might- actually feels quite good with weight on it. Yeah, that's it. it's fine it's fine yeah but the next day though wow <laughs> the next day though. I wouldn't I wouldn't say the fine I had to pay or who to that night but uh, the, the, the the story I was going to say that I remember I was sat next to you and you were like is this just what the farmers do because we were on the bus up to that <laughs> thing and uh, there was like a random crop in a field <laughs> And like, oh, I can't remember what it was. Oh, Rudy and I are like, yeah, I think it's that. Definitely. And he's like, is this just what you weirdos do all the time? And that was the first time I really spoke to you. But uh, yeah, friends for nine years, as you said, it's nuts that time flies by like that. But um, first off, thank you for coming on. Hope you've enjoyed it yourself. <clears throat> um, Mate, I've loved it. It's just been, it's been good having a, having a chat, having a giggle. I like to hear, that's what we like to hear. But there is one question before we go. And uh, we asked the we asked the question that um, Glenn gave us for you, uh, and you decided to buy a dog. Uh, if you had a question for our next guest, who is either going to be? Uh, do you remember Josh Banks, Ross? He was an RBM. I don't. I was going to say if I have some context, but nah, I don't. I don't remember. Don't remember him now. Nah. So he works for like he's in he's in sales for a company called ProDrive that deal with like sort of elite vehicles. Uh, quite a cool place. Okay. Like, Tesla's and stuff like that. So it's either going to be him, a comedian, or what was the other person I said? Doreen's a few things at once. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's going to be for a person. Uh, What would the question be? Oh. If you were going to do another job from the one that you do now, what would you do and why? That's a better. Do you want to try that? (laughs) Do you want to try that? Um, I think I know it. Go for it then. It would, it would require skill that you're pretty good at, but not quite there, I guess. Is it not be a rugby player? Um, yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah, I would probably go down the route that, like physio, PT, that type of yeah. um, sport. Sport kind of way is probably the way I'd probably go for wasn't farming. What, uh, what about yourself? <laughs> Why do I have to do this to myself? There was only one thing I ever wanted to be. Let me tell you, it was not an agricultural lecturer. It was. I was going to say. <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, that that sounds pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> Here, best job. Absolutely love it. I can't imagine like what job be fireman, astronaut, agricultural lecturer. Uh, yeah, yeah. A WWE wrestler. I'm going to sound about that and attend it to SRUC. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, if you're a job, <laughs> um, a WWE wrestler. Yeah, yeah, and I, know oh, I you, could see that. I know you. Went I could see that. You went to school with one, Noam Dar. Yeah, I did actually. Noam was the year above 
No, yeah. I'm was a year above me at school. Also, good end, uh, good note to end on. My cousin used to uh, go out with uh, Drew Galloway. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. That's amazing. Do you know him? Do you know Sean McCluskey? I don't know. Uh, this you, podcast you, is going to be full of you asking me if I know people and me saying no. But no, 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 <laughs> but, the reason to say he did like sort of. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch Hops. It's alright. <laughs> you loser. <laughs> um, Sean, he was in like my year, but in like media studies or something like that. And uh, from what I remember, his mum is well. He's now Drew McIntyre's agent. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, Drew's. He, so speaking of sort of getting fit and stuff, like when he was in WWE back twenty ten, like Vince, <laughs> proper nerd side here, Vince McMahon, sort of owner CEO, uh, uh, head of talent relations and all that sort of. Thing. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounded so tragic when I said that. Brought him into the ring was like this guy's the future. He's going to be WWE champion, right? Scottish guy, never been a British champion before, um, unless you include sort of Southern Ireland. Uh, and he was like, it's going to happen. And then basically over the course of the next four years, like his trajectory just went down. He sort of put on a bit of weight, like, but was not in good shape. Like look up in Drew McIntyre 2010 uh, and like, he just didn't look good at all. And then he sort of went on the indie scene, which is like just fight, or fight and wrestle, whatever you want to say, all over the world. Fight club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. What happens? Uh, but, and then sort of created this like mad sort of following on the indie scene. Came back to WWE and he is. Have you seen him now, Ross? Like, oh my god! I do, I honestly don't follow wrestling. I thought, what's it actually? What's his name? And like, what's his wrestling name? It's Not like Drew the Flying McIntyre, Scotsman or something. Is it now uh, Drew McIntyre? Yeah, and he's called the Scottish Psychopath. But like, so like that he was in good, <laughs> he was in good shape there. Like genuinely, like he yeah he okay put on a lot of weight after. I tell you what, um, he put on a lot of weight after that, and he was in a and I was in a thing called a three MB. And there was these three guys, they were just sort of like joke characters. And like, he really, like he looked good for a normal person, but like, that was him there. And he probably put on like a fair chunk of weight after that. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, yeah. And then now, like, I've seen some, um, what do you call it? Like transformations in my time, but the guy is insane now. That's him now. Yeah, like he's it must have yeah, put up at 20 yeah. pounds in weight, like muscle mass. Like, he's oh wow, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that happened like well, five years. Five yeah, years. Um, but no, thank Take you for coming on, Ross. The oh, what was the question? Oh, yeah, if you can be any job that you're not in now, I'll pass that on to the next one. What about yourself if you weren't in the job you're in now? Uh, do you know what? If I wasn't, I wasn't a teacher. I know I like run my own business right now, but I would definitely give that a go full time with whether it's in fitness or whether it's in something else. Like I think like just think entrepreneurship's so cool. And like, I think it's such a challenge, but so rewarding. So I definitely go for running my own business of, of some kind. Love it, man. Nice. Love it. Nice. No, perfect. It's been a pleasure having you on. As we said, Ross, thank you for coming on. Uh, for those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. God, that's here. We must have been here for like almost two hours, not quite, like an hour and three quarters. It sort of flies by, but uh, thank you for listening. I don't know who the next guest is. Uh, this will sort of just be after Highland Show now. This is coming out, so I'll be able to be off work for six weeks. Sorry to everyone that isn't, uh, and try and get sort of ahead of things. And uh, Yeah, I know. Um, get ahead of things and try and get some more podcasts up, uh, 
filmed over my sort of quieter time. Um, so hope you're enjoying the podcast. I should probably start saying now with Aplan, our sort of primary sponsor on the food and farming side, I'm doing a few sort of live podcasts at various shows throughout the season. First one's going to be Perth show, which is 5th of August. So uh, come say hello. Maybe you'll get interviewed, have a little chat with me. Um, maybe Ed will be big time enough soon enough that he can join on soon. But uh, not my uh, show. That's the free show. That's the free show. That's yeah, free show. No chance. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thanks for listening, Ross. Thanks for coming on, and we shall speak to you later on. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers, mate.